0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network.
2: former arkansas razorback baseball player tyler spoon
1: we have from espn's around the horn highly questionable also a two-time dan
3: levitard show suey winner and the <laughs> former head athlete at cornell Sarah spain d1baseball.com editor aaron Fitt.
2: and current razorback freshman star devo davis
0: mr ryan mcgee and we are happy
2: to be joined by martrell spate A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. Former Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley.
1: Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes.
2: Welcome in to episode 208 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I am your host Kyle Sutherland and whether you are listening on 106.7 The Buzz 2 or your favorite podcast forum, we appreciate you coming to hang out with us. And while you're listening, if you haven't already, be sure and hit that subscribe button so you are always notified when we release an episode. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, Take a couple of seconds to leave us a five star rating and leave a written review to let us know how we're doing. The show is brought to you, as always, by our friends at Bet Online. Guys, if you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. They have you covered for all the latest odds, news, and information, plus the online casino never closes. Visit the website on your desktop or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Before your next big game, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, Your Online Sportsbook Experts. We've got some great stuff for you today. Here in the next segment, Porter is going to be talking with Arkansas Athletic Director Hunter Eurocheck. He joins us to talk about the upcoming year along with some of the challenges that come with it. We thought that COVID was behind us. That is not the case. And so, he dealt with that along with all the other athletic directors across the country last year and it is uh, coming through again. And so, he talks a little bit about that. And in the final segment, Yours Truly talks with 103.7 the Buzzes. RJ Hawk, we're going to discuss a little bit of high school football from the 7A down to the 5A. We did a quick high school football teaser a few weeks back when we had Aaron Weatherford from 42 Sports on. But in the upcoming weeks, we will be diving a little bit deeper on that subject as we are about two weeks away from week zero when we open up uh, high school football across the state of Arkansas, or at least in parts of the state of Arkansas for week zero. Right now, the big news is fall camp. And uh you take that with a grain of salt, because, as this is recording, as we're dropping on a Wednesday, we haven't hit full pads yet, so on a Wednesday, they are going to they've been pretty much in shells as of uh, the first five days of practice, and they get Wednesday off full pads Thursday and Friday, and then they have their first scrimmage, which I believe is closed to the media on Saturday, so we won't really get to see a whole lot of that. but the biggest headline right now is Ricky Stromberg now. We don't know a lot of details at the moment. again, this is dropping on a Wednesday, so between now and the next show uh, the following Wednesday, we might know a little bit more. but all that has come out right now is he is not available for fall camp. Tom Murphy of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette announced on Monday that uh, that we because pretty much it was accusations, and then Tom announced that it was not a major strain or a tear, whatever it might be. Again, we don't know the full-on details of it. But we do know that he is going to be out for fall camp. And I am no big-time medical expert. I'm no medical expert whatsoever. But based on the UCSF Health website, I literally just Googled about an M C because I've heard various things when I was a high school athlete and younger than that. But I really am no expert in any kind of health regard, especially with tears. But according to the UCSF, a a grade one is what they call it, a minor Mm Tear strain, I, I, I think it would be more defined as a tear, but that would put you out from essentially about seven to 10 days in most cases. Now, a major tear would be around two weeks to to a month. And so if it is that month range, then he certainly will be out for, uh, and again, I am making, I'm just telling what this is like in, in terms of what the UCSF said. I'm not saying that this is Ricky's case, but if he does, if, if there was major damage, which there appears to not be based on reports then he uh, should be back at least by game one or maybe miss the Rice game uh, and and then be back for Texas. But guys, I mean, it goes without saying that is a massive loss because outside of Myron Cunningham, he is your most consistent lineman, uh, not just in terms of experience, but in terms of overall skill. I, I like what we have coming in Tykeus Crawford. He was a major recruit in the 2020 class that was committed, decommitted, went to Charlotte and then transferred. Everybody knows that story, I think. But I, I, I don't know. I, I've said many, many times that that's my biggest concern is the offensive line and the defensive line. You can talk all day you want about depth and all the stuff that we have on on either side, especially the defensive line in particular when you bring in Markel Utzi and Trey Williams from Missouri, John Ridgway from Illinois State, but we have not seen consistency. I believe in this coaching staff and i think that we're going to have a much better year i think that we're going to at least get 5 wins at minimum but despite the fact that we have all this this consistency at least uh, i guess more so experience is the word that i'm trying to use here coming back uh, what has that gotten you it's gotten 11 wins over the past 5 years and so i think this time of year and we've talked about this before And it is extremely common, especially whenever SEC media days rolls around, it is very common to begin drinking the Kool-Aid and thinking that they're going to overachieve. This year, overachieving would probably be, some would say, I would personally say the seven-win mark, but I think eight, nine wins is definitely overachieving, considering you look at the schedule, especially that first half there when you've got that brutal stretch of Texas A&M. Georgia and Ole Miss you can say what you want about the Ole Miss game I don't care that they had an awful defense last year they are going to be out for blood against us you mark it down they are going to be out for blood it's in Oxford Matt Corral is probably the best quarterback in the SEC if you think we're going to have another six seven turnover game whatever I think it was seven turnovers total. I'm not saying they're not going to create turnovers, but Matt Corral not going to play that bad again, at least against not against the Razorbacks. And so I think realistically, guys, that five and seven is probably where we're going to be at. I'm not saying that they won't make a bowl game. I've been on a few podcasts over the last couple of weeks. I've been on an SEC one. I've been on an Ole Miss one and uh, over the past two weeks. And I've said on both of those that I think 5-7 and seven will be their record. 6-6 six and six is probably that mark to where maybe is, is, is the ceiling. And some of you might think, oh, you're crazy, that we should have been 500 last year when you consider the, the Auburn game, which, uh, yeah, I think we definitely won that one as well. And you had a chance against Missouri, and you had a chance um, against LSU. But, guys, I'm sick of the having a chance. I, I get it. That you have to, and I preach all the time that you have to understand the situation. But the fact of the matter is, we are where we are right now, and that is an 11 win team in the last four years. I believe in Sam Pittman. I believe in Kendall Bryles. I believe in Barry Odom. I believe in KJ Jefferson. Now, I think some of you that put him at a, a dark horse Heisman, it's a little bit extreme for someone that's had, what, two total career starts Missouri last year and then LSU his freshman year in Death Valley. So I think that might be a little bit too far, but I think that this guy is as confident as any new-coming quarterback that I've seen, uh, really, and I don't even know how long. So I like what we have there at quarterback. I love what we have in Traylon Smith. Obviously, Traylon Burks is one of the best in the SEC, one of the best in the country. I definitely think that he is the best receiver in the SEC. I will certainly agree with that, home or take or not. But I really just kind of want to be a voice of reason for those that are – and you know what? You might – roll this tape back come November, December and throw it all in my face. And I might have an, have eggs all over me and you know what? That's fine. I hope that that is the case, but I just think that we get too involved in the Twitter machine. We get too involved in, in headlines and I'm not saying that Arkansas media hypes us up, but that's their job. That's their job to, to write storylines that, uh, that makes it seem like that, Hey, this group is looking good. That group's looking good again, as this is being dropped on Wednesday, what uh, I think August 12th is when we'll be dropping this, August August 11th. They have not been in full pads yet. It has been all shells. And so we have no idea. Just kind of like how you really can't judge. Just I mean, I understand, again, that we have a lot coming back, but you still can't judge this year's success of what you think it's going to be from what happened last year. Every single year is different. And I just wanted, to, again reiterate because we, we we get caught up in possibly winning seven possibly winning eight or possibly even up to nine that's about the ceiling that i've heard it that some people are saying that we're going to come out and we're going to continue to shock a lot of people like we did last year and we could win eight to nine games i just don't see that happening i don't think that we have the the depth and experience to go along that route we're, we're working on the depth Sam Pittman's proven that, and Sam Pittman and this other, uh, the, all the other coaches are proving that they are working on that with the recruiting trial. really like what they're doing. But you also got to remember there, too, guys, we might get a couple of four-stars. We might get multiple four-stars a class. But that's happening all across the SEC. And who knows where we'll finish this year. That's a long time. February is a long time away now. But the main reason why I'm going on this rant here is is because this is very typical, particularly in the last 10 years since the Petrino debacle. I know it was easy to drink the Kool-Aid in particular. When John L. Smith came in, it was a coach that knew the team. You had all that the talent returning that had won a Cotton Bowl the year before and many that contributed on the the Sugar Bowl team the year before that in 2010. And there's been so many times since then that we have just put the expectations sky high. And I'll tell you what's going to happen is we're going to think that we get to a bowl game. And again, that might just happen. I don't think that that is out of the realm. I certainly think they're going to be flirting with that six-win mark. But the problem with this is, is we put give all this hype in the preseason, and then it turns out whenever you only get four or five wins, then it's a complete letdown. Now, I do think that four wins would probably be – leaning more so towards a letdown season but 5 wins I think is probably about exactly where you set the realistic mark I just think that and then Sam Pittman's going to be on the the hot seat in terms of the fan base and all that it's it's just it's been a circle of life for us pretty much uh just a a broken record I guess is a better way to put it over the last 10 years or so from the John L year to the Bielema years you know Chad Morris years were a whole lot of things outside of recruiting Uh, Not very many good ones. But, uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to remind us of that because I think, and that's great, sharing videos of, of Matt Corral throwing six interceptions against us. Previous, uh, previous players, whether it be you know twenty days, like for instance, I know, um, you know, for the twenty five day mark, a lot of people are putting Felix Jones for the thirty one day mark, Grant Morgan for the nine day mark. You'll see a lot of Matt Jones, Darren McFadden from the five day countdown, and so on and so forth. I think that's all great. Get hype for the season. This is a season that we should probably be more excited about than any in very recent or long distant memory. Considering the fact that we have a lot to be excited about because this team is talented, I don't doubt that. And you're coming off of a COVID year when you weren't able to fill up DW Reynolds. We hadn't filled up DW Reynolds in, God, three, four years-ish, something like that. So I get it. Let's be excited. I want us to win every game just like you do. But let's also come back down to earth and let's understand where this program was and it's going to continue to be a rebuilding process. I know we get so tired of hearing that, but sometimes we just need to be reminded. The other headline, K.J. Jefferson is massive (laughs) in a good way. Now, I think that it's being a little bit overblown um, that his weight, I know that he himself said he may need to lose about 10 pounds, but I I don't think it's anything to worry about. He's certainly certainly staying in, in shape, at least to the point where he'll be able to run the offense. I feel pretty confident about that. But I I, I want to reiterate what I was saying just a second ago. I I just love this guy's confidence. Whether it was going in and starting his first ever career game in Death Valley in 2019. Now, that LSU defense may have not been the greatest defense of all time, but that offense was arguably. And to go in in that kind of environment and not show any fear, uh, I've never seen that from KJ. I haven't seen it from a lot of Arkansas quarterbacks. I'm not getting at that. But I think that he the confidence factor is right there, which that's a big part of playing quarterback. But it's really just repetition, repetition, gelling with the offensive line from here. I love the skill players that he has around him. I think Blake Kern is a guy that came along very strongly last year. Tight end is a position that we've kind of been iffy at, especially with all of the experiments that they've done right now. Levi Draper has moved over from linebacker. I don't know if that's a permanent thing or not. Last year, Marcus Henderson – the freshman offensive tackle was there pretty much the entire season. I know Blaine Toll was back and forth from defensive line and, and tied in, and he has since transferred to Colorado. You would imagine that's probably a big reason for that. I don't know, but I would imagine. So there's, there's a lot of things, especially with Ricky Stromberg out, and there's so many different things, particularly on the offensive line and other positions that could surprise you. And then someone could come out that we have absolutely no about last year. It was Hudson Clark at the beginning of the season. I don't really know how much he's going to factor in this year. You would think that he would, uh, he would be in the two deep. I'm not really sure he did get burned a good bit at there at the end, but there's so many things now that we're about to put the pads on that we should be able to find out. But really it's all going to come down to, uh, to game one up against rice on, on September 4th. And so well, that's all I got for you guys. We're up against a break up next. We've got Porter and Hunter your Do not touch that dial. You're listening to the hog talk podcast, part of believe podcast and the buzz radio network. In Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479 368 6490. Again, that's 479 368 6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Hyndman Services. Located in northwest Arkansas, Heinman Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336 That's 479-347-9336
1: Welcome back to episode two hundred eight of the Hog Talk podcast, and we're now we will go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline, where we are introduced to you to the Athletic Director of the University of Arkansas, Hunter Urchek. Hunter, thank you so much for coming on.
3: Uh, Porter, great to be on today. Thanks for having me.
1: And I know things have been crazy with football season started, and you know with everything going on with COVID, we thought we were out of the clear, and now we're seeing a spike. You know, just just how challenging are you? Is it trying to keep everything normal, but yet keep an ear open to what's going on with the recent numbers?
3: Sure. You know, we, we thought we had put this in a rearview mirror. We'd opened up Baumwalker Stadium and Vogel Park towards the end of our spring seasons to full capacity. Um, most of our student athletes in both of those sports were fully vaccinated. And I think we had thought we'd put this in the rearview mirror. We'd announce full capacity at Razorback Stadium and all of our venues moving forward. And I don't know that that's going to change, but uh, over the last three or four weeks as this virus, I mean, the Delta variant has evolved again, um, not only in our community and across our state and across our country. So we're having to take a step back and reevaluate to make sure that we have the appropriate protocols, uh, first and foremost, to keep our student athletes safe, and then our staff, and of course, any of our fans that will be attending our games uh, moving forward.
1: And how much easier is it now? No, you know, you kind of got a similar game plan it wasn't like last year where you're just blindsided with this thing. You had no, you know, book or any manual to help how to deal with this kind of stuff.
3: Sure. Well, I mean, there's some things about this year that seem like they're going to be a little bit easier because we have been through this, but I think um, because of the COVID fatigue that many are experiencing now, um, I think the, The battles you see developing between to mask or not to mask, to vaccinate or not to vaccinate, kind of make things a little challenging as a director of athletics. We have a great percentage of our student athletes and our staff who have chosen to go the vaccination route. And that's great, but we're not exactly where we need to be. And so we're trying to get to 100% in all of our sports. And obviously, there's many across our community uh, that have chosen not to Um, be vaccinated. And now that uh, the mask mandates are starting to pop up in school systems, etc. So it it creates some different challenges that we didn't have last year because of the COVID fatigue. But, uh, you know, I feel like from an athletic department standpoint, Porter, we're in a really good spot. I'm more worried about what does September the 11th look like when we have the University of Texas in Razorback Stadium We're within 5,000 tickets of selling out that game. That's 72,500 people that not only will be um, in our stadium on that Saturday, but that will converge on our community over the course of that weekend and be in our restaurants and our bars and our hotels and things of that nature. And what does that mean to our community and how this virus uh, reacts to that?
1: And with all the craziness that's happened with the COVID, I mean, as a whole athletic program, you've probably had one of the most successful years as a whole that I can remember. And I don't know how far going back Just with all the success. So was that kind of a, you know, sunshine to all that, that you had all these programs do so well, all these coaches that won SEC coaches there. I mean, how, how was that feeling to you? Like, it was something actually good come out of all of this.
3: Uh, it was very rewarding because I had said from the start, the, the reason we pushed forward um, as the University of Arkansas Department of Athletics to Southeastern Conference last summer and last fall w- was because it's what our student-athletes wanted to do. Many of our student-athletes um, saw their winter championships canceled, saw their spring seasons and championships canceled, did not want to go through that again in 2021. And so we put a number of protocols in place, asked our student athletes to make a number of sacrifices. Our coaches did an incredible job holding them accountable. And the fact that we experienced some success in several of our sports out of the gate, our student athletes in the the winter and the spring sports, saw the success our fall sports were having um, started to believe in the protocols and everything that was in place. And it it just kind of fed off each other. And I know our football program went three and seven last year, but I've given coach uh, Pittman and his staff and our student athletes um, in the football program, a great deal of credit for setting that tone, the way they came out and played in that Georgia game, and then going on the road to Mississippi state to get a win and, you know, really going on the road to Auburn and got, Getting, getting a win and then coming home to beat Old Miss, it really energized not only our campus community and the Northwest Arkansas community, but I think the entire state when it really needed kind of a shot in the arm, uh, no pun intended for the vaccinations or anything, but, you know, last fall, you know, that's really what this state needed. And um, and then that just kind of catapulted us into just an incredible year, as you referenced.
1: Well, and on top of that, you know, just the student athletes and the coaches and the staff that, not only had to go out there and play on a high level playing in SEC, but, you know, getting tested two, three times a week, wondering who's going to be with us who, and changing game plans. I mean, just as a whole, what does that show, that, you know, just the adversity that they were able to come through and be so successful and having to worry about all that stuff that people on the outside don't even think about?
3: Yeah, I mean, we we asked our student athletes or coaches or staff to make a. Your- great deal of sacrifices from uh, wearing masks the majority of the time when they weren't practicing or competing to the, the multiple time per week COVID test to how we traveled to simply how you ate your meals where you went to the Jones Center, picked it up at the pickup window, took it back to your residence hall room or apartment, and ate it by yourself where you didn't hang out with your friends that were uh, in the general student population on campus. You didn't go down on Dixon Street um, as much as you normally have because you had to make some sacrifices, not only for yourself, but for, for your team. And I think the fact that we had success in so many of our programs um, that our student athletes again believed in those protocols. And I think if you start out in your fall sports and we don't have success in football and volleyball and soccer and cross country, then our student athletes in those winter and spring sports start to lose some faith in the successful nature of those protocols and the sacrifices that they're making, and they don't believe in them. And so I think the fact that we had success, I mean, you saw teams that were not having success. Those were the teams that quit uh, last year. Uh, that canceled their seasons or, uh, you know, stopped in the middle of the season and canceled multiple games. I mean, we made it through the entire athletic season, and we weren't the cause of one game being canceled. We had to postpone for a week the Missouri football game. But other than that, um, a Razorback athletic team did not cancel an athletic event due to COVID last year.
1: And when we talked to, you know, we've interviewed Coach Neighbors, Coach Dyfel, and, You know, they've always went back to the leadership that you've showed. And to have you as an athletic director, I mean, Mike Neighbors even said that a previous spot he was at that you know, him being successful in women's basketball, it was almost frowned upon, or he people would have an envious feeling. And so for those two programs to sit there and say how much it means for you to be at their their games not just put a tweet out saying hey good luck you're actually going to the games and you support every single program soccer you went out to watch the soccer team in the national tournament you know so what does that mean to you that it's really appreciated at all these smaller programs in the in in the athletic
3: department Yeah, I mean Porter we, we have 19 sports programs here at the University of Arkansas 465 student athletes and um, we expect or we want and we create opportunities for those 19 sports programs and 465 student athletes to be successful. And we we have a goal this year. We just finished up our strategic plan for the upcoming year where we want 19 of our 19 sports programs, um, one, to be ranked in the top 25 at some point in time during the year, two, uh, to uh, participate in NCAA postseason events and or bowl games. And I can't put that goal out there. I can't hold our coaches to that expectation if I don't provide them with the support and the resources that they need to be successful. And that support is quite simply is, um, if I'm in town and there's a home game, I'm going to be at that home game. I mean, I, I sacrifice some of my personal time, but I truly believe that Um, Our student athletes need to see me there. My staff needs to see me there. Me setting that expectation that not only am I going to be there, but several members of our senior staff and our leadership team are going to be there supporting our student athletes. And quite honestly, it's an easy sacrifice for me to make. I I say that's the icing on the cake. we, 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 We work hard as administrators in college athletics and the opportunity to see our student athletes compete and not only compete, but to compete and have success. And that's what I love about uh, what I do. Um, And to see that joy on their face when they win a game or even better when they win a championship or advance to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah. And in some of these sports, you know, like women's basketball, soccer, volleyball, they're only used to seeing 50 to 100, maybe 500 people in the stands. So when they get to success and they're getting a thousand, two thousand and Bogle berms filled up. And then they got their athletic director there. Coach Pittman's one of the softball's biggest supporter. I mean, you really created this whole culture that it's not just the teams, it's the coaches. And I feel like the whole coaching staff, they're so, you know, they want to support each other. And that is very rare that you see. And and then you got the best fan base in all of college sports that you know, how long did it take you to really see the difference between Arkansas's fan base and other
3: places you've been? Well, it, it, that did not take long. I go back to the day <laughs> I was hired. I think at 10 o'clock in the morning when the announcement was made, I had 5,000 Twitter followers. And by, I think by noon, I had 25,000 Twitter followers. <laughs> and I, they gave me a pretty uh, quick glimpse of what the Arkansas fan base was like and the passion that they have. And then you look forward to this season – we have 172 of 172 suites in Razorback Stadium sold out for the season. Um, we are approaching 40,000 season tickets sold in football. With the help of our three-game packages, uh, we're close to selling, it, selling out not only the Texas game, but two other additional games that were packaged together with the Texas game. We're several months away from men's basketball season and women's basketball season starting in Bud Walton Arena, we have already set season ticket records in both of those sports at this point in time. I think everybody's familiar with what happens at Baumarker Stadium in Bogle Park during the spring. So our Razorback fans, they're not just fans of Razorback football. Boy, they are passionate about all of our sports, especially now that they're all having success. And um, it's just that we live in a really special state. I've said this from day one. What makes this university special, our department special, what makes our state special is the people and their passion that they have uh, to be a part of the athletic department here to be a part of this community to be a part of this state and the passion they have for the Razorbacks. And and we'll end it on this kind of a a personal question just how much are you
1: looking forward to on September 11th you know the 20th anniversary of 9-11 that you know a lot of people in the younger generation don't remember that day and what it meant but you know, how much are you looking forward to seeing 72 plus thousand in that stadium, Colin Hawes, Because th- this will be the first time you really experience it.
3: Yeah, that, that will be that will be a special day for a number of reasons. It will be a special day because of the, as you mentioned, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I was talking with a colleague just this morning about the fact that most of the our student athletes, the student athletes from both teams that will be on the field, the spirit squad members, the band members weren't alive or were infants when 9-11 happened. Um, and then to, to welcome back our Southwest Conference rival in Texas, and now the newest member of the Southeastern Conference. And th- there's a lot of kind of understories that uh, will be developing as we head into September the 11th. But as Coach Pittman has said, if we don't take care of business on September the 4th, September 11th won't be nearly as special. And so our football team's focus right now, and Coach Pittman has done a great job of that, is on Uh, The Rice Owls and our home opener on September the 4th. And when we get to September the 5th, then all of our attention, um, our football program, our department, everybody will be focused on that September 11th and that weekend and making sure it is special for the student athletes on the field and every one of our fans as we commemorate 9-11 and commemorate welcoming Texas to the Southeastern Conference and and, and, um, kind of welcoming back an old rival to Razorback Stadium.
1: Well, Hunter, I really appreciate your time, taking time. I know closest we get to football season, the busier it is for you and getting everybody moved in. So I really appreciate your time, and thank you for coming on.
3: Porter, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. Ha- have a great day, and go Hogs!
1: Yes, sir. Well, up next after the break, we'll have Kyle Sutherland and RJ Hawk of 103.7 The Buzz. We will be right after the break.
2: Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Hyndman Services. Located in northwest Arkansas, Heinman Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336 That's 479-347-9336 We're back on episode 208 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland here with you. And we now go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline where we are joined by RJ Hogg from 1037 The Buzz. And RJ, I would go into the rest of the jobs that you currently do, but I know we'd be here for an entire segment. But nonetheless, man, uh, glad to have you on, ready to preview some
0: high school football that's coming up really quick. Well, thank you. I I tell you, it's uh, awesome to hear you guys on The Buzz Radio Network now and I've uh, been able to tune in for the last couple of weeks and you guys are doing great things. So, uh, but now you're 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 digging into what I know best and that's high school football. Uh entering year number 14 for me doing uh the game of the week for 1037. So, looking forward to an- another great high school football season.
2: Yeah, on top of all the other stuff I know that you do outside of sports. I know you've you've done some work with Henderson State. Now with UCA, UCA is going to have a really good squad this year. I know that uh Coach Brown's got to feel really good about what he's got coming back not just on offense but that loaded defense
0: you know what's crazy about last year with cove everything about COVID was crazy last year but uh, i really do believe had we been able to play a normal season a normal year uh the bears could have made a run for the national championship last year we were that talented with robert rochelle on the defensive side uh of course you've got braylon smith the quarterback uh and and the two all-american wide receivers now you've got, minus Rochelle, you've got everybody back this year. And it just came out, Sam Houston State was picked to win uh, the new WAC a uh, conference, and, and they are, rightfully so. They are the defending national champions. But, uh, boy, the Bears are going to be poised to, to do some really, really good things this year, that's for
3: sure.
2: Well, and uh, so going into high school, I know that uh, you and Bobby Swafford, y'all have been the broadcasting team for state title games for. A, a, I guess how many years has that been now? I was in Texas for three, so I missed a few of them.
0: Yeah, so this will be our fourth year fourth. doing uh, for the AETM broadcast. Now, Bob White uh, and Roger Scott joined me on the radio broadcast that we do each and every week. But yeah, um, on the on TV, I guess Bobby and I've been doing. This will be our fourth year now. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and last year, the majority of the state championship games were, were pretty one-sided. I, the 7A there, North Little Rock, was beginning to make a comeback, and, and Brian ended up uh, pulling the three-peat off. And, and the 2A there, that was a uh, pretty drum, dramatic game there at the end when Desart began to start to make their comeback. But Dice had just done too much in the, in the uh, first couple of quarters. They were, I guess, into the third quarter. But then you look at the rest of the schools right now. Hootens has all but 3A, uh, which, of course, was Harding Academy. I think they've got them as the number three team, but you look all across at the other classes and everybody else is pretty much picked to repeat. Now we'll start with Bryant. You know, they've got... Some talent coming in. They've, well, I say, coming in. They've had tons of talent for the last couple of years, but a young talent right now. So not a ton of experience. You lose Austin Ledbetter, Hayden Schrader, those guys, but then you've also look at a team like Cabot. You lose Tyler G, but you've got some great guys on the offensive defensive line. Some skill players there: Braden J, Mason Bell, an underrated running back. Do you think that Cabot could challenge Bryant for that top spot this year?
0: You know, there's a lot of talk about Cabot right now, and I think it's mainly because Coach Scott Reed, uh, everybody saw what he did at El Dorado, and they're just waiting to see if he brings that same magic to Cabot. Now, I I would say in the first couple years with Cabot, you know, fans have kind of had to readjust their mindset about Cabot football because you're used to seeing that three yards in a cloud of dust, and and now – You've got wide receivers at Cabot. You've had a quarterback at Cabot. You've got a defensive Cabot. They had a defense before, but now you've got playmakers that, you know, instead of just running the ball every single time, you're seeing a lot of screen passes. You're seeing plays downfield. And you're right. They, they are losing a big part of that offense with, with G being gone. But I, I really think that they had a really good ninth grade and some underclassmen that can fill those roles. I, I will say this going about Bryant. Um Buck James, the guy knows how to win, and you do lose a, a super big piece of that offense. And Austin led better because I don't think people—I don't think people really realized the things that he made up for the deficiencies this offense had. Austin made plays. Austin was able to bail them out of situations to make plays downfield, and so uh, they will be missing some of that. You may see some early growing pains early on in the season, but to say this team doesn't have playmakers, I know you lose Schrader, who was a big wide receiver, but across the board, Kyle, th- this team is still stacked. They've got the best, I- I mark my words right now, they've got the biggest, the best offensive line in the state of Arkansas at the high school level. This, In fact, this offensive line could challenge some small colleges in the state. They are big, they are mean, and they are dirty. And we always hear about... You know, in high school football, what gets won is if you win in the trenches, you're going to win a football game nine times out of ten. And they're going to be very good. They've also got a stellar running back core. And then on the defensive side of the football, this is a defense that they were good last year. You got a lot of those guys coming back. They're going to be really good defensively again. I don't know if they're good enough for another 13-0 season, but I don't think you need to count Brian out just yet.
2: Yeah, and you definitely can, especially after winning, what was it, 30 games, 31 games, whatever they're at right now, three-peating. They're certainly challenging. I I still think we had Bartley Webb on the show last week from the Springdale 5 in 2005, and I think that that's probably still the, the best team ever assembled in the state of Arkansas's history, but right up there with the the dollar ways of the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, you've got to put, especially for large classification, you've got to have Brian up there as the, as the greatest dynasty, probably already at this point with the 3 Pete. And you can't ever forget about Bentonville, of course. They're always really good up there in the NWA, but I think there's a lot of questions and there's there's no question they're going to compete for a state title. But I think there's a lot of eyes on Fayetteville right now. Casey Dick, former Razorback quarterback, leading the team, and hasn't really done that great of a job. You know, I'm I don't want to say he's done an awful job or anything, but at the same time, there is a lot of pressure on him right now. He's got some D1 players, Isaiah Sategna, who's going to be going to Oregon, and then also uh, Caden Turner on defense there is committed to Indiana and a couple of other college prospects. And so how much do you think the pressure is on him here as he's about to begin
0: year three? Well, tremendous. I mean, whenever you're not only are you following legendary head coach Daryl Patton, um, because we all know what Patton did while while he was at Fayetteville. Now Casey Dick comes in. They're okay. I mean, Fayetteville was four and six last year. They were four and one in conference play. Um, This is a team that this is the year that everybody's looking towards for them to make a run for a state championship. And uh, you saw all the, the criticism their quarterback made or got from the Little Rock Central game last year where he inadvertently spiked the football as time ran out. And you know he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. Um, this is going to be a Fayetteville team that's going to be very, very good. They're going to be much better than four and six. Um, but when you look across that 7A West – I don't really think they have much competition. Yeah, Bentonville's going to be good. They're always good. Um, Bentonville West—they were six and five last year. Um, I, I really think that most of their competition is going to come out of that Seven A Central. And I, you know, a, a team that I'm going to dub as my dark horse this year is Conway. Yep. Conway uh, was eight and four last year. They were three and two in conference play, but this was a team that could get you at any point. I mean, this was a team that was. Uh, you never counted Conway. In fact, uh, you know, it ended up being a mercy rule game when they played Bryant, but they, they played Bryant tough in that first half of that, that meeting with those two. It ended up turning to be lopsided, but this is a Conway team that was fairly young last year. They're going to be a year older, and I really think that, you know, what is it, I believe this is the third year for their head coach. So um, I, I really, you know, as much pressure is on Fayetteville to, to do things in the West, I think equally the same pressures on Conway.
2: And I want to go down to the 6A there. Greenwood always seems to be the favorite, and rightfully so. They've had a dynasty of their own, really, not just over the last 10 years, even dating back into the mid-2000s there. I think they won their first one under Rick Jones in 2004, 2005, sometime in that range. But then right under them, you, you look at some of the ones, Lake Hamilton, Benton, I know El Dorado, a lot of people are really high on. And Lake Hamilton is one. Yeah, no, that was one of the lopsided state championship games that I think Greenwood just was really nobody was going to stop them that night but Lake Hamilton's going to have one of the most lethal running games. And the, now you look at the 6A and also, too, with the transfer into Parkview uh, of Darian Ford, uh, or, or Dar- no, Darian uh, Turner, I think is his last yeah,
3: name.
2: Yeah, Turner. Is it Tur- Turner or Bennett? One of the two. No, it's Darian Bennett, I think it was, that uh, they came in from Jacksonville. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah third time's a charm. It was D- uh, Darian Bennett. And they also have a kid named Trent Bennett there at safety. But you'll have him and James Joyner in the backfield there, along with Willie Eccles and the entire offensive line back. So you're going to have some uh, stout guys there right at Parkview. But then also you look at Lake Hamilton, both of their returning starters at running back who both had, I think, well over 1,000 yards there in Tommy Giller wing T Tee. And then Benton, you know, they're going to have a chip on their shoulders. C.J. Johnson and Co., another great running back within Central Arkansas since they didn't get to compete in the playoffs last year. Do you think that Greenwood there, I mean, some people might be writing them off because they lost a lot, but then again, just like Bryant, they reload with talent.
0: You know, Greenwood's kind of a fascinating school of Arkansas because, you know, it's not a very big community. And and you're, you're competing with the likes of Southside and Northside and – Um, they always seem to win no matter who's the coach and Chris Young being there now. um, This is a team that, you know, you never count Greenwood out whatsoever. And, and um, I will say though, I I don't, I don't know if they're the best team in six, a this year. I, I go back, you mentioned them, Lake Hamilton is going to be a force this year. Um, who would ever thought, into, by the way, in 2021, that we would still be talking about the wing tee? Uh, I mean, and, and how effective it is. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Gillard's got it rolling, went from Fountain Lake to Lake Hamilton and has things just rolling. Probably one of the nicest coaches in all of high school football in Arkansas is Tommy Gillard. I love Tommy Gillard. But once again, though, you look at that 6A West, with Benton, Greenwood, Lake Hamilton, and Parkview, that is almost murderer's row right there with those four teams. And then, then you factor in Mountain Home, Russellville, Salem Springs, and Van Buren. But, boy, I, just those four teams at the top right there, could it could be anybody's conference at that point. Then you flip it over on at the 6A East. Um, I really am interested to see what Cersei does this year. Um, Cersei. Uh, this is a team that they—they're just what two years removed from a state title, got a new head coach, and, and you know I've talked to some folks up in Searcy and they say we've got talent. It's just how do we how do we get those guys to come out of the classroom and actually play? And I—I I, I think that. You know, a, a, re, a revitalized coaching staff, just come some fresh blood in there that will really get it done. So, watch out for Cersei Sher- on that side. They were only four and seven last year, weren't very good. But another team to watch out for, Sylvan Hills. They were nine and four last year. And, and a lot of people overlooked Sylvan Hills early on, and they kept getting better and better. And they su- suffered some injuries in the playoffs, which allowing for them not to go farther. But this is going to be another good Sylvan Hills team.
2: Yeah, I agree with you on Sylvan Hills. That's what I was going to bring up, too. They don't bring anybody back on offense. I've talked to a couple of their coaches, and they feel very confident. It's just really about are they going to find the guy to run that system? And Chris Hill has has figured it out throughout his entire, what, 30-plus year coaching yeah. career. He's going to play defense, and that's another guy that you're going to run. I actually talked to him, oh, I'd say it was probably about four or five months ago. It was actually when Isaiah Broadway had transferred in from Texas. And who for those that don't know, Isaiah Broadway has since moved back to Lancaster, Texas, so he won't be suiting up for the Bears. But uh, that was one thing that, that Coach Hill had told me is he said, you make sure you put in this article that if you come to Sylvan Hills, it's the place for you to be a running back because we are going to run it all night long. And that's another guy right there. Now, Tommy Gillarin does throw it a little bit more than, than Chris Hill does. But, yeah, there. I think the game – I went to Sylvan Hills Parkview last year in the quarterfinals, and I think they maybe attempted two passes uh, yeah. if that. So, yeah, that's going to be another one too. You know, that, that's all about really just getting the right quarterfinals. Quarterback to run the system and, uh, and knowing that's real, they they feel like that they just have to do. I think they've got about maybe three or four guys returning on defense. And so, uh, yeah, a lot to make up there for. But, but again, Chris Hill has shown that he can do it. And then you go down to the 5A, and and that's just one. So you, you look at 7A Bryant, you always think of them, 6A Greenwood, and then PA. Uh, everybody, all, even with Kevin Kelly gone and, and Anthony Lucas taking over. Who's been the, I think, the last nine seasons of their wide receivers coach? I don't, I don't really think that they're going to miss it. Now, you hate to lose that kind of intensity and that kind of intelligence that Kevin Kelly brings. The guy is a borderline genius, but I really – I've talked to Charlie Pfizer, I've talked to Joe Hyman. These guys really believe in, in this coaching staff because they've been around them for a long time now, and they still obviously have talent. RJ, I'll go on record. I've done it many times. I think Joe Hyman is the best player in the state. I, I, no I just no don't, doubt. I don't think there's any question. That's no disrespect to any of the rest of them, but you look all across at what he can do and not just the run game – what he can do catching the ball, what he can do returning punts and kicks. I just don't think there's any question that Joe Hyman is the top player in the state. And I think that PA is going to be without question. I mean, they're clearly the preseason favorite. If you look at Hootons and most of the rankings across, but I would certainly think that they're going to be hoisting
0: the state title trophy again here in December. Hey, not to mention Hyman could throw the ball as well. I mean, the the, the kid does everything. And I, I was a little, you know, look, I'm not taking anything away from Satania. Um, but I agree Hyman and it was a little ahead, a little bit of a head scratcher whenever we saw, what is it? Was he going Northwestern? Northwestern. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And so when, when you heard that announcement come out, you're like, oh, like what, what, what was the thought process? Because the kid, I believe now he's a small kid. He's not very big. Um, I think he could very well play at the sec level just as a, look there, you've seen small JJ Metters played, you know, big time college football and, you know, Hyman's not huge. He's not tiny, but he's he is not your big, big back that you're going to see at the SEC level. But, boy, he's a playmaker. Now, what will be interesting about, about Pulaski, Pulaski Academy is when it comes down to fourth down and five, and normally you would see Coach Kelly not punt the football, would go for it, and really put the hammer down on a defense – Will Anthony Lucas and this offense continue that? And I think that's a, that's the question because, Kyle, you got you got to think, if you're a football coach, that takes a lot of guts when you're on your own the end of the field and it's fourth and five, fourth and ten, and you go for it. And nine times out of ten in Kelly's offense, he was able to get it. But you, that takes a set to be able to go and say, you know what, we're going to do just like Kelly did. You don't see anybody else in high school football doing that. And so – um, I'll, I'll be interested to see if Anthony Lucas takes that on. I, look, I've known Anthony for a long, long time. and He's as good of a football coach as he is a man. And uh, he'll, he will have the same principles that Coach Kelly had at Pulaski Academy. You know, I just – I wonder will that same philosophy come out um, because he's, he's starting his head coaching career. This is his first time being a head coach. And so it'll be interesting to see w- when those situations come up, what will that, that play call be? Because you know in the 5A Central, you're going to have really, once again, really, really good competition with Little Rock Christian and Mel. I, I think Watson Chapel is going to be a lot better this year. You know, Whitehall uh, is going to be – they were 8-5 and five last year. So, you've got a lot of good competition in 5A Central. Now, is that competition as good as Pulaski Academy's talent? I don't know. I don't, probably not. Little Rock Christian and Momel, yes, but maybe not the rest. I'll just be interested to see how the play calling goes as the season goes.
1: Well, I talked with Coach
2: Lucas a couple. That was another one that I had uh, spoken with actually around the time that I had talked to Charlie Pfizer. And he told me, and I put this in an article, that they are going to adapt the same principles. You know, that's what they've been going off of. And so I asked him specifically are you guys still going to go with the no huddle? Just like I asked Coach Kelly if he was going to take those to Presbyterian College, which of course he is. And uh, Coach Lucas says that they are going to continue to do that. I would imagine there might be a tweak here or there, but uh, that's that's still what they plan on doing. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and uh, keep keep going with what you know. And so, yeah, you, you mentioned Little Rock Christian; uh, they're always a force there with with uh, Eric Cahu. they would probably have a couple more state titles if it wasn't for uh, if it wasn't for Pulaski Academy standing in their way. I know they got them in 2018, and then, of course, Harrison, win, and then Lakeside is another one that people are really high on. I know they've got especially uh, a sophomore running back there. His name slips my mind right now. But uh, I know that that they've got a lot of young talent coming up as well. And so, um, well, we will be doing our – We've been talking with RJ Hawk from 103.7 The Buzz, and we're going to be doing our smaller schools here in the upcoming weeks. And uh, RJ, great conversation, man. And before we get out of here, I do got to ask, you know, we're both uh, Cowboys fans, very uh, been painful off and on for the last 25 years, mostly pain more so than than happiness. But what, what are your thoughts on this year? I know Jerry Jones has come out and admitted a lot of things over the last couple of weeks that we didn't think that he would ever mention, at least publicly. And so uh, what is your thinking on uh, all of that uh, and and really about this season moving forward?
0: Well, I mean, boy, the, the first part of training camp has been like therapy for Jerry Jones. I mean, yeah. I, he comes out and cries about Jimmy Johnson, and then he goes to the Hall of Fame and says, Jimmy Johnson's going to be in the Ring of Honor. And uh, look, it's good that he and he and uh, Jimmy have made up, and, and I think Jimmy's well-deserved to be in the Ring of Honor. Now, going to the team, uh, it's really scary whenever you – your, your multi-million dollar quarterback who comes off a shattered ankle, um, they, they say within two weeks of training camp that his shoulder's messed up. Kind of gives you a little, eh, I hope he's going to be okay. I think, you know, I heard Mickey Spagnuolo on with uh, Justin and Wes, and sounds like all indications they are just going to let him rest and, and he should be good to go. Um, look, being a Cowboys fan, you think you're going to win every game, Right. Reality sets in. I think we're going to have the best offense in the National Football League. Uh, defensively, though, I'm really nervous. Uh, you know, they picked up some safety help, some corner help, but is it enough? They, uh, Landon Vander Esch, is he going to be able to stay healthy? You know, I mean, you've got guys that there's a lot of question marks on that defense, but I think one thing that you're going to see is Dan Quinn's going to come in. Uh, he's going to actually have an identity for the defense. He's going to have uh, a philosophy that's going to take them in. They're going to have a game plan. That's what a lot of times I, I saw. It. I don't know about you, Kyle, but this was a defense that just seemed lost every single time they took the field. And uh, I think you're going to see more of a, an identity. You've got a couple more playmakers, and hopefully that helps. Yeah. Um, I think the Cowboys are good enough to win the East. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to make any bold predictions as far as that, but I think they're good enough to win the East. And uh, uh, let's just hope and pray. And whatever you do, Dak stays healthy because I think Zeke's going to have a he's going to have a monster year because of the year that he had last year.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. He's definitely due for it. And so, again, we've been talking with RJ Hawk from 103.7 The Buzz. Again, guys, uh, be sure and catch us whenever episodes drop on Wednesday morning where you listen to your favorite podcast. and You can also catch us Wednesday evenings at 7.30 on 106.7 The Buzz, too. And, RJ, really appreciate you coming on, man. I'm sure we'll be talking to you here soon in the future.
0: Call me anytime. Love to Love to come on with you guys.
2: And as always, the show was brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Visit betonline.ag for all your betting needs. For all of us here at the Hawk Talk, Hunter check and RJ Hawk, my name is Kyle Sutherland. We will catch you next week.